Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, 17 through 21, called The Power of Example. For the word of the cross, listen to this, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. Amen? But there are enemies of it. Satan's an enemy of the cross. There are are groups that don't want to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some who deny the sufficiency of the cross. This could be the Judaizers saying, yeah, you can believe in Jesus, but you got to add this, this, and this. you got to keep these laws, etc. Paul gives us four descriptions of these folks in verse 19, and they're not pretty. Here's what he says. Whose end, these enemies of the cross, their destiny, NIV, is destruction. That word is ruin. Their destiny is perdition, you could say. Number one. Number two, their God is their appetite, all in verse 19. Some versions say their God is their belly or their stomach. Three, their glory is in their shame. This word means disgrace. It points to potentially sensual excess. And four, fourth description about these enemies of the cross, they set their minds on earthly things. Something's happened, something frightening has happened to this group of people. And their end is not an upward call to receive a prize in Christ Jesus. Their end is destruction. If anything, they're going to get a downward call. Their God, and here's the problem, is their appetite. Now, I don't think that Paul is talking about an appetite for pizza or hot fudge sundaes or anything like that. I hope not, because I'm going to partake probably in all of that today. (laughs) But I think the the God being their appetite is they always want the next thing, the next excess. They're never satisfied. It's always the one thing after the one thing. It could be food, but I think more than that, it's about power. It's about sensuality. It's even about religious control. If this group is the Judaizing heresy, then their power is manifested in forcing people to keep the food laws. Oh, you can believe in Jesus, but you got to do this. You got to eat this diet. You got to keep these holy days. You got to dress like that. You got to fast twice a week or you're not saved. And when they hear the gospel that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, plus nothing, they lose their power. Why did the religious leaders condemn Jesus? Not that he hadn't done miracles. Not that he didn't raise Lazarus from the dead. But because their power was threatened. They knew he was the heir. And they said, come, let us kill him. Why? Because they had power, position, prosperity. And Jesus was reigning on their parade. We can't allow that to happen. And so they killed the Son of God. Power will corrupt people. I'll tell you, I am amazed at what people will say from platforms of power, how they've reversed positions within a couple of years from what they said before. Now they say something else. You're like, what? Where'd they get that? But here's the deal. Mankind intoxicated 
with appetite and power and glory and whatever you want to add to the list, they become enemies of the cross of Christ. And their end, sadly, is perdition or destruction. The problem is that they set their mind on earthly things. Now, I want to pause here for a second and tell you next week, we're going to tackle the issue of anxiety and worry. And when we get to that section six through nine in Philippians four, we're going to look at Paul say, brethren, set your mind on things that are beautiful and lovely and pure. And that's one of the keys to godly living. Set your mind on things above. But Paul says the problem with this group of people is they've become so earthly minded, whatever the nuances of that are, that they have lost their way. They are off the track and they're leading people in the opposite direction. They're no longer in the crosswalk, if you will. They've gone astray. And this is why Paul warns about this. He says, look, Follow my example. Stay away from those other things. Now we're going to segue back to a positive as we close here. And this is one of identity. And it's, uh, your identity in Jesus is a huge part of running well. Here's what it says. For our brethren, citizenship, the idea of this word is from the root polis. It's where we get police, metropolis, political, politician, but it's the idea of citizenship. It was big in the ancient world. It's big today. And here's what it says about believers. Our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. This is a present tense reality, brethren. You, if you're a believer, are a citizen of heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I our citizens in heaven. Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are recorded in the rolls of heaven. Amen? Amen. I want my name in that book. And it's there by the blood of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. By grace, through faith. That's who you are. Now run in keeping with who you are. It ain't gonna do it if you are trying to set the pace for a company or a team or a family and you read your Bible once every couple of weeks, you ain't going to set the pace. When the boys were growing up, oftentimes worship was on in our home as I was preparing on Saturdays, oftentimes for a Sunday sermon. Our house was immersed in the things of God, not in a overbearing way. I didn't line up the kids and roll the pulpit into the living room. All right, boys, open your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter five, and we will now parse the Hebrew. No. We had to keep it at their level, but it was more about the things of God working in our lives that then spilled over to their lives. Are you with me? This is what happens. If you just simply walk with the Lord, the Lord will take care of it. And you don't have to be phony, etc. I heard a story about the uh, second coming and all of this thing, all of this that goes with it, the motivator of the second coming. We're waiting eagerly for Jesus. And at the height of the racial crisis in the U.S., in the early 60s, two signs hung in the wall of a restaurant in Decatur, Georgia, 
The first sign read, Jesus is coming again, exclamation point. The second sign directly below the first sign read, we reserve the right to refuse service to anybody. It's the same reaction that I got at first service. It's supposed to show you the hypocrisy of the two signs. Never mind. It, I shouldn't have done it again. You know, I, I thought there was hope for second service. <laughs> it's not my fault, okay? <laughs> Never mind. That's, a, that's another joke, but we won't go there right now. Verse 21. We eagerly wait for the Savior. This is the prize. This is the finish line. This is what Paul says, I know one day it's happening. I will attain. When the Lord Jesus comes, when the race has been run, when we reach the finish line, here's what will happen. He will transform the body, the Greek word soma, our physical body, of our humble state, our weak mortal bodies, new living into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Now, the last part of verse 21 is an allusion to Psalm 8, 6. Thou dost make him rule over the works of thy hands. Thou dost put all things under his feet or under subjection under his feet. When we reach the finish line, here's what's coming, brethren. Jesus Christ is going to resurrect us. Now, if he comes prior to the second coming, to be absent from the body is to be where? At home with the Lord. Your body simply houses the essential you. You are not strictly your body. You are spirit housed in a body. One day, should Christ tarry, you will be absent from this body, but you will be at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. We make it our ambition, whether absent or present, to be pleasing to him, says Paul. But when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, and I believe in one second coming, this is my view, two things will happen at the second coming. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead in Christ, amen? We'll be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. This mortal will put on immortality. Then will come to pass the saying, death has died in victory. Now, the older I get, the more I'm rejoicing in the reality of a new body. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I could go many places with this, but I'll leave it alone for right now. But for any of you who've dealt with any level of pain or a sense of of the reality of decay that happens in this fallen world. You know what I'm saying. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, hold on, it will. But on a serious note, we've all probably watched people who've been affected by this terrible curse and the fall of this world. And it is brutal. I I will tell you that Coming into the ministry when I was younger, I was watching pastors teach, and I had a fervency for the gospel, for apologetics, for teaching, and I dove right in. And once I became a pastor, I didn't realize that this is just a portion of the job. There's a lot more to it, and a lot more is dealing oftentimes with death. And any of you who have dealt in that realm, you know it ain't pretty. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks Hello, for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcasts and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. That this is just a portion of the job. There's a lot more to it, and a lot more is dealing oftentimes with death. And any of you who have dealt in that realm, you know it ain't pretty. And some of the hardest stuff in life. But the good news is I've been able to stand with families at cemeteries and in you know, funeral homes and mortuaries and say, your loved one will rise because the Bible emphatically teaches the resurrection of the dead. And when we get that new body, I think it's going to be about the age of 18 <laughs> when I could eat burritos at midnight and nothing happened to my physique. I could eat a burrito before playing racquetball and nothing happened to my digestion system, my physique. No, burritos are the enemy. They just, they just walk by and I gain three to five pounds. Why, oh why, oh Lord? But a day is coming, not that far away, when this mortal will put on immortality. And then death will have died. And everyone that we have lost in the Lord, we haven't lost. We will see them again on a great reunion day in the kingdom of God to which we are all citizens. Amen? It's a good time for a praise the Lord. Amen? This is the gospel. See, if I were just running for temporary things, I'm not sure I could keep going on sometimes, but I'm running toward a prize that has eternal dividends. In fact, scholars, when they talk about the resurrection, say our body will be 
in perennial rejuvenation. This is Murray Harris. He has done an in-depth study called Raised Immortal. He puts it this way, and it's beautiful. He says, Paul is saying then that in place of an earthly body that is always characterized by physical decay, indignity, and weakness, the resurrected believer will have a heavenly body that is incapable of deterioration, beautiful in form and appearance, and with limitless energy and perfect health. Once he experiences a resurrection transformation, man will know perennial rejuvenation since he will have a perfect vehicle for God's deathless spirit, a body that is invariably responsive to his transformed personality. And so we wait eagerly. We anticipate with great eagerness that day when our king will be there, when he will wipe every tear away from our eyes, when there'll be no more mourning, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. The former things will have passed away. The race will have been run. We will be at the finish line, brethren. Keep running. Amen? And know that you don't run alone. Brethren, we have a remarkable love from our God. It's an amazing love. And I think First John sums it up in a beautiful way. It says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet appeared yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself even as he is pure. First John 3, 1 through 3. The day is coming when the race will be finished. And the down payment is already ours in the Holy Spirit. Amen? We've been sealed with the promise, just anticipating the day when it all comes to consummation, when it all comes to reality. And in light of that, we run. Father, thank you that by the power that enables Jesus to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Thank you that the power of the resurrection that now pulses in our beings will one day be ours in perpetuity in the kingdom of God. Thank you that we are citizens of that, of that kingdom by the gospel. Thank you for pursuing us and rescuing us and help us, Lord, as we run this race. Give us fresh endurance. Some are here and they're, they're tired, they're weary. Some have found some fresh breeze lately and they feel like they're running well and others, they may feel like they've fallen off the track. And you know every heart, Lord. You know what each of us need and my prayer is simply this, that you would empower your people with the word of God as we digest it, as it nourishes our souls, may it bring fresh wind to our sails, fresh bread to our souls. If you're not a Christian with your head and heart bowed, now is your time. The Lord's been knocking on the door of your heart. Won't you open it up? He alone possesses and gives eternal life. And he'll grant it to you if you'll simply pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God and King and Savior. I believe you came into this world and died on that terrible cross for me. Pray it if it's you. 
I believe that you defeated death by the resurrection, just as you said. And I'm going to place my faith in you. I'm repenting of my sin right now. I'm sorry for it. Thank you that you paid for it at the cross. Lord, I'm afraid to die. I fear it, but thank you that the fear of death can be in my rearview mirror by trusting in Jesus. And so I do now. If you've been lagging behind in this race, it'd be a good time to rededicate your life to the Lord so that you can pick up the pace again, get back in the race. He will give you everything you need to run effectively. He is a beautiful storehouse of everything we need. So Lord, as we just take a moment of Selah, we take a moment to pause and meditate on these things. We just want to say thank you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness and your love for us. It's amazing. We thank you for the hope for the future that we have. We thank you that you've surrounded us with other wonderful believers that encourage us. Thank you for faithful mentors and other pastors and so many who have showed us how to run through thick and thin, ups and downs. Keep them strong. Maybe there's people we don't often pray for, missionaries and the like, because we think they've got it all together, but they're like us. We pray for the many faithful pastors over the years. The media would love to focus on the ones that fall, but we're going to praise you for the ones that have been faithful. Thank you for faithful believers around us and disciplers, and we can go down a, a list of gratitude. Thank you for fathers who were faithful. Imperfect as they were, they tried to set the pace, and they did it. Let us, let us be quick to thank them, Lord. Maybe those who stepped in as surrogates, spiritual fathers, those who opened up their arms and their hearts to us. We're so grateful for all of them, Lord. I just pray that today we'd find fresh mercy and strength for living. This week, help us to have the wind at our back so that we can run and finish well and be good examples, Lord, to the flock. We love you and we ask that in Jesus' name. You've been listening to The Power of Example, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 17 through 21. And if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teaching in more books of the Bible. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with pillars. With our app, you could learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our free Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings in Philippians, or you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. When Peter wrote to other elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, he talked about us being examples to the flock. The power of an example, I don't think that there's probably a more powerful way to lead than by example. You know, we've all seen uh, people talk 
and then not have it backed up with their walk. And that really undoes an example. Someone might say the right words, but if the actions don't back it up, at least consistently, where none of us are perfect, then people will lose the desire to follow that leader. And so the power of example is the best kind of leadership of all. And you say, well, how do I do that better? Well, authenticity is really what example is all about. If you're just being an authentic Christian, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be a good example. That's the whole key. Well, tomorrow we're going to jump into a message called Anxious for Nothing, and anxiety and worry is a huge problem, not just during and in the aftermath of COVID. It's an ongoing human problem. We are all anxious, some more than others, but we can certainly be anxious. And if you know someone who could really benefit from this teaching in Philippians chapter four called Anxious for Nothing, let them know. It will be airing tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. Remember, you can also point people to the podcast. They can search for it on any of their favorite platforms and keep us in prayer. We appreciate you. We love you. We'll see you right here tomorrow for Anxious for Nothing. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 4, 1-7, called Anxious for Nothing. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.